cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to preach to you today on this simple thought, finish strong. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you so much for today. Thank you for the worship, for the praise, Lord, that has gone forth, how beautiful it has been. Thank you, Lord, for every Sunday school class that has happened here today, for the discipleship, for the fellowship. Thank you for the worship and giving that has gone on, Lord. And now we come to this place in the service where we break the bread of life together. And, Lord, I, I ask for your anointing. I pray, God, that you would help me. Anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought and speech that is so absolutely necessary. Lord, I pray that you would open every heart, every mind and spirit, Lord, that they would receive what you have for them here today. And I give you the thanks for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. As you're seated, turn around, fist bump, or point at somebody, wave at them, tell them you are glad to see them at Starkville Church of God today. Nobody has to point at anybody. Nobody has to shout at anything, especially husbands and wives. But have you ever had a project, a project that maybe you started? Maybe you started working on a little something in the kitchen or working on a little something out in the yard, and you ever start a project, and that project just never gets finished. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't point. Just lift your hand up if you know what I'm talking about. You know, there's a tendency for all of us to sometimes give up or be done with things when the newness wears off. You know, we start projects, we start different things, and I, honestly, right now, I'll tell you that, that Friday I was trying to make up, I started an online uh, leadership course that you can do at your own pace, and that is always a mistake for me. I need a deadline. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I had started this back uh, during the pandemic, and of course it's done good. Then, you know, we move, and there's been so many other things. And so I found myself trying to get this done and finish it up. Anybody with me here today, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's a tendency with us that once the newness wears off and once things get a little bit mundane, sometimes we have a tendency to forget or quit what we're doing. You know, we live in a very disposable society. Everything that we use, you know, now it's super fancy. You know, if you go to some place that has cloth napkins, you know what I'm saying here today, you know, and, and now it seems even fancy if you go to some place that don't have uh, disposable forks and silverware and everything. But but we live in a, in a very disposable society. Use it and throw it away. Get what you need out of it very quickly and then be done with it. And you know, that has bled over into some other areas. Now, everybody's not going to amen right at one time, but you know, that's bled over into other areas. It's bled over into marriages today. Things get tough, you know, things get, the newness wears off. 
suddenly, you know, they were always they were always beautiful. They were always handsome. They were always nice when you were dating. There was always a wonderful, pleasant thing. But then, you know, after a few years and you wake up and their breath stinks and, you know, you wake up and, you know, they're not fixing themselves up like they used to. Y'all ain't going to help me, but I'm going to preach. And, you know, our society and this mentality has pushed us into this. Oh, if, you know, if you don't like it if it's not good just go ahead and get rid of it and get another one you know it's bled over into the church as well you know so many people uh, they they want to give up you know it's hard to get anybody into many positions anymore in the church i can remember growing up and i can remember there was a time growing up i can remember sunday school elections i can remember where you literally come on anybody remember that i can remember sunday school elections where you would elect a um, teacher now it's like now sunday school is this right here it's sunday school begging, could I please get one person to teach a class? Y'all, y'all being quiet this morning. That's a, I can see I'm going to have to shift gears to don't wait for an amen. They're going to be quiet. That's where we are. We give up. Many of us, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not going to ask for hands right now, but how many of us have started things, started a Bible reading program, maybe first of the year? We said, Bruce Scott, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I'm going to start this. And before long, we, we kind of just fizzle out and quit. You know, I've told you this before, and I continue to preach in this direction because I think it's such, such a needed thing in the day that we're living in. I believe one of the most rare and valuable things in this day we live in is not talent, it's not charisma, not even fresh ideas or innovation, but I believe one of the things that are lacking so much in the year 2021 is faithfulness. Faithfulness when the new wears off. Faithfulness when nobody is watching anymore. Faithfulness when the initial excitement is gone. Faithfulness when the season of fun changes to a season of discipline. And I know I ain't going to wait for an amen right there. But listen, folks, there is time when the season of fun and the season of excitement gets traded in for a season of discipline. What was fun and what was exciting and what was all that becomes a season of discipline. But can I just tell somebody here today that God is a God of discipline. He is a God of faithfulness, and He wants us to do the same thing. So here we are. Believe it or not, we are about to begin the last quarter of 2021. And I ask you the question, will we finish strong? We've been through a couple years like none other that I can remember in my life and what even people older than me have said they cannot remember. We have been through a pandemic. We have been through such chaos and turmoil what have you given up on in this time, in this treacherous time, in this difficult time, in this tiring time? What have you given up on? What have you been tempted to quit on or be tempted to just throw out the door and say it's just not worth it anymore? You see, I've been there personally. I told you already I've been there in a little online course, but I've been there personally as well. 
I can remember year eight at Loosedale when we were pastoring there. Listen, uh, you know, year eight is a lot different than year one. Year one is everybody's excited. Everybody loves you. Everybody's just so glad to have you. Year eight is like, oh, it's still you. <laughs> I'm just preparing y'all for that. You know, I plan to be here if the Lord lets me year eight, year 18, but I'm just telling y'all. You know, year eight is I've been here for a while, you know. And you know, there was a point in time that Jamie and I even knew that change and transition was going to come to us and our family. And however, as much as we knew that transition was coming, we realized the temptation that there is then to slack off or to give up or to drop the ball. Because you can get so focused maybe even on what is ahead of you in a new season. I come to you in the end of this year. This is, we begin this last quarter of 2021, and I tell you that now is not the time. Now is not the time to just look way ahead and just say, well, you know it's going to get better next year. Things are going to change next year. I'm going to improve this next year. Absolutely not. Today, Brother Eric started it out talking about today. It's not time to wait till tomorrow. It's not time to give up right now. It's time to finish strong. It's time to be faithful. It's time to be the men and women of God that he has called on to be faithful in these last and trying times. We read this text earlier. I don't want to read it to you. I don't always, again, Amplified Bible is a lot of commentary and not just a translation, but every once in a while I like to pull it out and I like to read it. So I want to read to you uh, what I read to you early in the King James and the Amplified Bible, Hebrews chapter 12 in the Amplified. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, I want us to take quick three points from this here this morning as we look at this subject of finishing strong. Number one, we find here in Hebrews chapter 12 that there is a great cloud of witnesses. We found that there. We are therefore, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, how do we understand that? Well, to understand it fully, we need to jump back into chapter 11. You see, the previous chapter, chapter 11, is probably the most famous chapter in the Bible having to do with faith. Everybody say faith. 
Chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is that faith chapter. It's that chapter that begins with, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There we go. I knew some of you had been to Sunday school before. You see, it is all about faith. And it starts with that verse, and then it begins talking about uh, a lot of different people who lived out that faith. I want to let you know that I believe there is most certainly a link between faith and endurance. And can I say this also, that I certainly believe that there is a definite link between faith in God and endurance. Folks, we are living in a crazy, crazy time. I don't know how people who don't have the Lord in their life are making it. Some aren't. Some are taking their lives. Some are depressed. Some just aren't even hardly functioning. Listen, I'm not going to tell you that everything has been pie in the sky from 2020 to now. I'm not going to tell you that I've never had times where I've wanted to quit. I've wanted to give up. But what I can tell you is this, that when there was nothing else to hold on to, there was faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in which I could hold on to him when everything else was shaking and everything else was turning and twisting and nothing made any sense at all. I want to tell you, it is my faith in Jesus Christ, I believe, that has allowed me to get through this season and that we have have been through. Somebody say amen. Paul frequently uses the imagery of an athletic contest to describe the discipline, focus, and dedication needed to live the Christian life. Now I had one dear, 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 sweet, precious lady at Bethalto that once I mentioned sports in a sermon and she said, I don't think sports need to be a part of preaching. I hate sports. You need to leave it out of your preaching. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> you may not like it, but Paul frequently used it. In fact, the author of Hebrews also refers to the Christian life right here in chapter 12 and verse 1 we find as the race marked out for us. You see, all throughout Scripture we find, especially in the writings of Paul, how he used this theme of athletics, dedication, discipline, how he used it to portray the Christian life. Now certainly, thank the good Lord that my faith and my life are not determined by the outcome of an athletic event so pitiful as the one I witnessed just a mile down the road yesterday day. Thank the Lord that no, but we can take these metaphors and these pictures and it helps us to understand our faith. You see, we find that the word cloud is used metaphorically for a host of witnesses, which refer back to the large number of both named and unnamed champions of faith in chapter 11. You turn back and you find, as I told you, we kick off in that famous faith verse, and then the, the author begins to talk about Abel. He talks about 
Enoch. He talks about Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He begins to talk about others. He begins to talk about those that had gone on before. He talks about Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. All kinds of references are made even to those that were in the present time that this was being written to those that were giving their life as martyrs of Jesus Christ. And he begins to talk about these witnesses. And then here in chapter 12, this cloud of witnesses is referring to those men and women, those unnamed and named people of faith, that we have this great cloud of witnesses. Look at the person beside you and say, right now, there's a great cloud of witnesses watching. That's not the crazy pastor. That's right here in the Bible. There's a great cloud of witnesses. So in what sense, then, are they witnesses? Are they watching in heaven as a spectator in a stadium and cheering the present generation of Christian runners as they progress to the goal? Are they sitting there in this stadium atmosphere in heaven and watching us as we run the race of faith here on earth, cheering us on? Or are they witnesses in the sense of examples to the present generation about the possibilities of faith and endurance because of having successfully run before us and we simply look back to what they've done and how they lived it out and how they were able to make it and an example unto us. What is it? Well, I tend to believe that it is both. Leon Morris said this. He said, perhaps we should think of something like a relay race where those who have finished their course and handed in their baton are watching and encouraging their successors. You see, I firmly believe, I firmly believe that those that were named in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and those that were not even named, those that have already gone on to be with the Lord. I believe that just like they ran their race and just like a relay race, they made it to a point and their race was Finish. You see, folks, if the Lord tarries, there's going to be a day where my race and my course is finished. All of us, there's going to come a day where we are done with ours and we're going to to the next ones that will follow us. But you see, there's something about a relay race. Whenever that baton is you see, a real team player, they don't just, don't just go on back to the locker room and start taking a shower and get a snack. No, what happens? They're standing right there. They're clapping. They're cheering. They're encouraging. Folks, I believe that that's what the Scripture is telling us, that those that have gone on before us in the Lord, that they've already handed over their baton, that they're not just gone to the locker room and forgotten about us. No, They are clapping, they're cheering, they're encouraging us, they're watching us, saying, if I made it, if I went through this and I made it through that and the Lord brought me through, then what you are facing today, God will bring you through that as well. 
not even just biblical. I, I believe that, that list ended when this was written, but how many of you know the Bible is alive? I believe there's probably some praying grandmas and praying grandpas and former pastors and Sunday school teachers that are right now, they've already passed on their baton. They've already passed it on to you and this generation. But they haven't quit on what they love and desire to see. I believe they're cheering us on from heaven. What else? We The second thing I find in this is that we drop the things that will prevent us from finishing. Second part of chapter, of chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Every weight. Somebody say every weight. That is unnecessary weight. You see, there are some things that we carry around that are extra weight. And if we were training, it would be okay. But in the race, you want to be as light as possible. You see, Whenever you're training, you may, I, I don't know how many of you have ever done it or seen it. You know, I know there's some people that they'll walk and they'll put weights on their wrists or weights around their ankles to help them. They, they're runners that they'll get those big parachute things and they'll run with those parachutes so that it will provide resistance for them. All kinds of different training methods that people use and those things are okay whenever you're training. But how many of you know when you get into the race, you're not going to take those weights with you. No. When it comes time to run the race, it is at that time that you take off every extra weight that may possibly hinder you. Study about bicyclists and swimmers and how they go so far as to shave every part of their body so that they will flow more fluidly through the water so that even a millisecond might be gained in their time. Folks, if those type of athletes know that they've got to get rid of everything that might hurt them or hinder them, then we as the people of God need to understand through the scripture that there is junk that we can carry on in our life that will hinder us as well now I want you to listen to me here there are things that are not necessarily sin and may be okay for a season but there comes a time when the Lord speaks to you that it needs to go now, we don't preach and talk about this a whole lot, so you're not going to hear a lot of this. But listen, I still believe that the Lord will sanctify us. I believe that the Lord will deal with us every single day. We're supposed to be getting more and more like Jesus. And as we progress down this road, the Lord may speak to us and say, I want you to get rid of that from your life. And here's what we do nowadays. We're so determined that we want to do everything we possibly can and have as much of the world as we possibly can. You've heard me complain about this, the question that, a pastor, could I still do this and still make it to heaven? 
I don't know, could you still wear a 45-pound weight around your neck and make it to the finish line? I don't know. Maybe you could, but why in the world would you even want to? Sometimes the Lord is going to speak to you. I still believe that the Spirit will speak to His people, not just the pastor. And there may be times where the Spirit speaks to you and tells you to get some stuff out of your life. Maybe there's time wasters that you need to get out of your life. Maybe you're spending too much time on something that, again, isn't necessarily sin, but your time has become so consumed with it that it has taken the place of what God wants in your life. Oh, my, I knew it'd be quiet. Maybe there's relationships that the Lord wants you to get rid of. Relationships that are okay for a time. But God says, I'm going to take you deeper. See, there are times that God will allow things to come into your life even that will strip you of those unnecessary weights. I'm, I'm prepared for absolute silence here. I'm not going to wait on an amen. But I need you to know that sometimes, child of God, God will let something come into your life because he knows you ain't going to get rid of that by yourself. And he'll let something come into your life in order to get that something out of your life, remove it from your life. And many times, many times people want to label it, oh, it's the devil attacking me. No, this one's not the devil. This one's God because he's trying to get that garbage out of your life. And you wouldn't do it the easy way, so he has to do it the hard way i got to move on. Drop things that will prevent you from, from uh, finishing every weight. And then he gets to really getting down to the brass tacks and the sin, which does so easily beset us. King James says easily beset us. The Amplified that I read to you says easily and cleverly entangles us. Again, this is not popular preaching. You're not going to hear a lot of this, but you're going to hear it here this morning. Sin will tangle you up. Sin will get you so tangled up in some mess that you get there and you don't even realize how you got there. Sin is not something that you want to play with. It's not something that you want to, you want to do everything you can to get it out of your life, cut it out of your life, because if you let it get on you, Come on, how many of y'all been out in the woods before and you done got into some spider web before? You know, some of it, some of it's good. I guess spiders are like people, you know. Some of them's good at it and some of them ain't good at it. You know, I've run into some and they just get on you, you just kind of throw them off and there's not much to it. Then I've run into some and they just all kind of sticky. And I mean, it's like they stick the whole web. Some of them you just get one piece off and the whole thing. Then others, it just like sticks to the whole thing, just sticks to you trying to Pull it off and everything, but it's stuck to you, and you're intending for a big old human being, it doesn't matter, but for an insect that runs into that web, it struggles and it tries to get out of it, but the web is so strong that it entangles it that it cannot get out. Let me just tell you that I still believe so much in the power of Jesus and his blood that I believe that sin is just like that. That ladies and gentlemen, me nor you have the power or the ability or the strength to get out of it on our own. 
It takes the precious blood of Jesus Christ to get us out of the sin. Can I just tell you, I can't preach good enough to get you out of it. They can't sing good enough to get you out of it. You can't even act good enough to get out of it. It is going to take you allowing the blood that Jesus Christ shed for you and me on Calvary to say, Lord, let that blood cleanse me, wash me, take me, and cleanse me of all the sin and unrighteousness. Listen, I, th- here's what preaching, preaching is not. This is not some kind of feel-good sermon. No matter how I might dot every I and cross every T, I might give, bring you the best illustrations, I might even stir your emotions as much as I possibly could, but me on my own, I cannot wash your sins away. I can't get you out of that web of sin. It is only Jesus Christ's blood that can do that. It easily and cleverly entangles us. Tangles you up in a way that it's so clever that sometimes at the beginning you don't even realize that it's going on. Can I stop here for just a minute? I hadn't planned on it, but can I stop for just a minute and say, please be careful. Because the enemy is cunning. And sin, sins can so cleverly entangle you that when you think you're doing one little something, you think you can stop there, but it'll entangle you. Got to keep on moving. Sin has no place in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? You see, you can't willingly let sin stay in your life and think that you stand a chance. Once again, I'm going to drop another little thing that's not very popular. But listen, child of God, people of God, we can't just purposefully and willingly let sin stay in our life and think that God is okay with that. It's a weight. we got a race to run. We're trying to make I don't know about you, I'm trying to make it to the finish line. I've already told you, I'm really blessed here. I'm really, really blessed. I'm thankful. I think probably I'm, I'm more blessed. I feel more blessed at this point than I ever have in all of my life. But yet, I look around and I know that no matter how blessed I am right now, everything here is temporary. Everything here is only going to last for so long. But I am looking, I am looking for eternity. I am running to eternity. Thank God for His blessings. Please don't misunderstand that. I thank God for His blessings here on earth. I will thank Him. I will enjoy them. But I know that the real destination for me is heaven. And I am not about to let sin keep me weighted down to give up before I finish strong. Thirdly, finally, looking unto Jesus. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, what do we have to do? First, you've got to put your eyes on him. There's that old song that said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
looked full in his wonderful face. Oh, come on. I want you to just think for a moment and, and know that, listen, you got to look. If you're going to find help, the only place you can look is to him. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Looking to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want you to know that I am not your answer. I can't do it. Listen, there's nobody that completely can do it but Jesus. Put your eyes on him. He is the answer. We just sang it right before I got up here about how he is Jireh. Study the scriptures in the Old Testament. The Lord would reveal himself in different names at different times, telling them what? He was Jehovah Jireh. He is their provider. He was Jehovah Shalom. He was their peace. God would reveal himself in different names and different ways to be able to let them know that he was all that they needed until finally he wrapped it all up in one name, and that name is Jesus. You see, it's in the name of Jesus that you can find anything and everything that you need. That he's the author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? You study into that and it means pioneer or leader. Source is through the cross. One more time I'm going to tell you. Scripture is clear that if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to make it to heaven, you must be born again. There are people sitting in pews all across America. And I'm all right. I'm good. I encourage, yes, church membership is good. I'm a church member, been a church member as long as I can remember. Church membership is great. Classes are good. Classes are great. But listen, listen, none of that. Coming to church. I'm going to even say this. I'll scare you all to death that a pastor would say this. Giving you, bringing your tithes and giving your offerings is great, but that ain't even going to get you to heaven. Now, when you get saved, you'll do those things, but that in and of itself is not going to do it. First, the pioneer, the very first thing that we find here is what it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It is the cross. It is the cross that is the key. You can't go any further. You've got to first come to the cross of Jesus Christ. You want peace, you got to come to the cross. You want health, you got to come to the cross. You need peace in your mind, you need help from anxiety, you need help from depression, you need whatever you need. I'm telling you that you must first come to the cross of Jesus Christ. He's the source, he's the beginning, he's the author and the finisher or the perfector of our faith. You see, He's here to help us along the way. I've been, a, I've been a lot of different places, and God has called me to a lot of different assignments. I began to think about it the other night. as I went over to kill Michael and preached at God's House of Hope, and I told him, I was like, you know, when I went in, uh, my friend James McElroy, pastor at Grenada, he's like, he's like here's how the service is going to go. You all right? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Lord, I preach all kind of places. I've had to preach in other countries. I preached on the back of, of, of trailers, had to use a cardboard box as a pulpit. I, pre, I told him the other night, most intimidating place 
I've ever preached was not. I preached at, at North Cleveland Church of God on a Sunday night. I've preached all kind of stuff. I preached this, this uh, past summer in Texas at the youth camp. You want to know the most intimidating place there was to preach? Leaksville, Mississippi, in the prison. Because I don't know, but I'm, listen, I'm not here to judge nobody. But I got to say, I ain't never been in jail before. And when I walk through them doors and clunk, 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 and then I go through another set of doors, clunk, 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 and then I walk into this cafeteria, and here's 300 men, and I see the one, there was only one door, I think, that was unlocked, and I came through it, me and another guy, and then that door closed, there wasn't a guard in sight. Some of y'all, you don't bother you, but hey, I'm going to tell you, that was the most of all the places I have gone and done, that was the most intimidating place. But let me just say this. Jesus is the author, and he said, where are you going? The author and the finisher of our faith. He's the perfecter. In other words, see, he's never asked me to do anything that he hasn't been with me and helped me to do all along the way. He's been with me in every country that I've gone to. He's been with me in every church that I've ever pastored. He's been with me. Thank the Lord God Almighty. He was with me in the prison in Leakesville when I preached there. He has been with me everywhere I've gone. He is the perfecter. He is the finisher. He is with me every single day. And I want you to know that. That when you give your life to Him, not only, yes, you first come to the cross, but once you come to Him, He's not going to leave you by yourself. He is the perfecter. How does He perfect it? Well, we know this. Jesus told the disciples, it's expedient that I get out of here. Because i got to send another comforter, the promise of the Father, the paraclete, the Holy Ghost, the one that the word means, the one that's going to walk along beside. You see, Jesus, through the cross, paid the price, gave his life, went to heaven, sitting on the right hand of the Father, making intercession, but he sent the Holy Spirit of God that is walking with me. He's with me every single day. He's with me every single place that I go. There's not a place that I go, there's not a thing that I do that he is not right there with me, helping me, perfecting me, helping me to finish the race that he called me to run. He does it all, start to finish. There's a lot of people, you read throughout the New Testament, you find that people served like just all these different gods. Everybody needed a different God for a different thing. Paul mentions that he walks in to one city, and there in that city was a shrine to an unknown God. What did that mean? It meant that they were afraid that maybe they left some random God out that they had forgotten about. And they wanted to try to make that God happy because there might be a little niche in their life that they would need that God. I got good news for you today, folks. You only need one. And his name is Jesus. You don't have to worry about needing a God for this and a God for that and a God for this part of your life. Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of your faith, he is with you at the beginning. He'll be with you in the end, and he's with you in all of those years in between. I just need to encourage you as we look at the end of this year that I know it's been a discouraging patch. I know it's been a rough patch, but 
please, please, please listen to me. Finish strong. Don't give up on your faith. Now listen, you may give up on your weight loss program. and That's your business. That's not mine. You may be even give up on the Mississippi State football team. That's your business. But I just came this morning to tell you whatever you do, don't you give up on Jesus and don't you give up on your walk of faith and don't you give up on making it to heaven because I believe that he will get us there. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Stand with me if you will please this morning. I know there's a lot of reasons that I'm not going to re-preach this. I know there's a lot of reasons why we're tempted to give up. Things become difficult. Things become mundane. The grass looks greener on the other side sometimes. But I've come this morning with a message to say whatever you do, don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on Jesus. He has not and never will give up on you. Can I just say that one more time for somebody that may need to hear that? Jesus Christ has not and will not ever give up on you. He loves you so much that he endured the cross. He went to the cross for you. He loves you that much. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around this morning. I'm not going to take a long time, if you will. Just, just be still for me, if you will, just for the next few moments. I want to take a moment and really do what is more important than anything else. And that is, I want to give an opportunity as I look around and I'm here longer and longer, I'm learning more faces, but I still don't know everybody here. And where we are in the nature of our church and where we're at, and I, I, I continue to believe we're going to continue to see it. There's some that come in that, that I don't know. And, and so even for folks I know, you don't always know what's going on in their heart. So I want to give an invitation at this point. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never started that race I have never yet come to the cross given my life to Jesus I'm not talking about sat in pews and heard sermons I'm talking about if you have never ever ever given your life to the Lord prayed and asked the Lord to save you and given your life to him I want to tell you once more time we come back to that theme it's today today is the day Today, right here, right now, the Lord wants to save you. He wants you to start this race with Him. With nobody looking around, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've never started that race, but I feel something right now on the inside of me, and I want to start it. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Anybody in this place right now? Anybody? Thank you so much.